You're listening to the CLE Foodcast with Lisa Sands, the place for delicious conversation on local food and the people who grow, cook, and share it. Here's Lisa. Hello, and welcome to the CLE Foodcast. I'm your host, Lisa Sands. Today, I rejoin Farmer Lee Jones and Chef Jamie Simpson of The Chef's Garden and continue the conversation about their new book. But first, a sponsor message from Yellow House Cheese. If you're listening to this podcast, you are probably interested in local food, just like me. For us, farm to table isn't a buzzy, trendy phrase. It's how we live. You can shop an easy and convenient list of food from Ohio Farms and pick up your order close to home. Yellow House Cheese, the award-winning cheesemakers of Seville, Ohio, have developed a quick and easy online shopping portal with everything from meat to mushrooms and eggs to greens. The list changes with the seasons, just like nature intended. I just got an order with cheese, ribeye steaks, shiitake mushrooms, spinach, and eggs. I picked it up at Larder, one of five pickup locations in Cleveland, Akron, and Medina. Order only what you want in quantities that make sense for your household. And everything is from Ohio Family Farms. Visit yellowhousecheese.com to get started with your order. New items every Tuesday and deliveries on Saturday. Visit yellowhousecheese.com to get started with your order. New items every Tuesday and deliveries on Saturday. That's yellowhousecheese.com for Ohio farm food direct to you. The new book by Farmer Lee Jones and Kristen Donnelly is called The Chef's Garden, A Modern Guide to Common and Unusual Vegetables with Recipes. It's 600 plus pages of vegetable know-how, things you didn't realize you needed to know about more than 100 vegetables. It also includes a ginormous helping of recipes created and tested by Chef Jamie Simpson, the executive chef at the Chef's Garden and the Culinary Vegetable Institute in Milan, Ohio. In this part two interview, we talk more about why a plant and vegetable forward future is so important, how to think about vegetables in a different way, and we'll hear how the farm made a huge and necessary pivot because of COVID-19. Oh, and I get schooled on the difference between dirt and soil. Settle in and enjoy part two with Farmer Lee and Jamie. I am so excited today to be speaking with Farmer Lee Jones and executive chef Jamie Simpson from the Chef's Garden and the Culinary Vegetable Institute in nearby Milan, Ohio. Are you in Milan or Huron? I need to ask that question. Yes. (laughs) I think I knew that was the answer. One side of the road is Milan. The other side is Huron. uh, I had been wondering. I had a map out. Culinary Vegetable Institute is Milan and the Chef's Garden is Huron. But literally, when you're at the Chef's Garden, one side of the street is Milan, the other is Huron. Thank you. I did not know that, but I was a little confused. All you wanted to know about geography of Erie County and more. This is actually part two of an interview. I'm a, this is like my first interview series with Farmer Lee Jones and Jamie Simpson. I hope that you have already listened to the last episode, which was focused around the brand new book that just came out about a month ago, The Chef's Garden. A Modern Guide to Common and Unusual Vegetables with Recipes. So in this part two, we're going to talk a little bit about the food and the many items in the book. It's a 600-page book. We will not be able to cover all of it. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but we're going to cover a couple highlights. Before we do that, I feel like I would be remiss if we did not talk just for a moment about your dad. I know you lost him last year at the end of the summer, and you 
attribute so much of the vision of the chef's garden and the culinary vegetable institute to him as a young man when you were still at home on the farm before you lost your finger listen to the first episode did you have the feeling that this place was going to have so much significance i don't know that i can say that uh i know it was special um but the special started just with the fact that i got to work with family Mm-hmm. And it's a rare gift that I was blessed with and, you know, and my brother blessed with the, to be able to, it was special getting to work with my dad because I knew how special he was and he pushed us. And, you know, a lot of times the younger generation has to drag the old generation, older generation along for new ideas. And, you know, he was always pushing us. Bob and I will jokingly say that we struggled to keep up with him. But in many ways, he could see the future because he had seen the past. And Jamie alluded to it beautifully, talking about agricultural books that go back 100 or 150 years, or culinary books that go back. And there's so much basic foundation there that's relevant even today. And I have to dive off into this because it's such a natural spot. But this topic is so much bigger than this book. Plant-based, plant-forward is the future. I'm so blown away by what 11 Madison Park has done. It's brave, it's it's bold, and it's brilliant. But if you go back and look at the nutritional levels of vegetables 100 years ago, they were 50 to 80% higher than they are today. And you look at the occurrences and health issues, they're 3,000% trajectory in 60 years. That didn't happen by accident that the nutritional levels went down and the occurrences in our health diseases have gone up. So in many ways, what we were trying to do is go back and my dad always had a saying that we're, the only thing we're trying to do is get as good as the farmers were 100 years ago. But obviously, we're trying to tie technology to that today that wasn't available then. Interesting. Well, I know that a part of your organization that you you don't talk about it very much, you do have an extensive research and development facility. And you're working and studying the things that you grow. You're studying the dirt. Is there anything that you can share that is part of your, that you know will be part of the future of, of your, you know, your growing the things that you produce on the farm? Well, the most profound thing I could tell you is that dirt is what's under your bed and soil is what you grow vegetables in. <laughs> I always have to catch somebody when they call it dirt, but uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Shame on me. Jamie knew you lobbed that one down home plate for me, nice and slow, but uh now, there, there aren't any secrets. I mean, I was waiting for it. And we want to be very transparent about the work. We don't have this all figured out. My dad had another saying that we had to continue to make mistakes at a faster rate than the competition and that we do mistakes well. But it's really that culture of creating an organization that's willing to try different things. And the recipes in this book exemplify that. Why mm-hmm. not? Instead of why. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I mean, the the lab, my dad would have spent every penny extra on the farm in that lab because he knew the importance of nutrition and nutritional density. And as we move towards plant-based, plant-forward future, which is inevitable for the sustainability and the regenerative agriculture, but sustainability of society, we have to be focused on the integrity of what we're consuming. Mm-hmm. Going to be plant, plant-based, but we've got to look at the nutritional value of that. Well, before we talk about some of the things in the book, I'm going to ask you one last question, Farmer Jones. How is your 
plant-based eating journey going? I know that you had endeavored to eat more plants. I don't know if you were inspired just by this book. How's that going? Well, I was inspired by not wanting to have to buy a bigger pair of overalls. <laughs> You're not going to make me get on the scale today, are you? Uh, well, you know, Rip Esselton, Dr. Esselton of the Cleveland Clinic, uh, Plant Strong, came into our lives. I was actually retracing my dad's footsteps because he kind of was trying to lay a path out for us. And last fall, I was kind of going back through what he had laid out. And I called Dr. Esselton. And he says, you've got to talk to Rip. He has this amazing company called Plant Strong. He came out and we were kind of turned on by this whole program that they have. So my brother and I both really took it very seriously and it was very rewarding for us. We didn't miss the protein. We didn't miss the meat. It was no dairy. It was no oil. Whole grains. Mm -hmm. It's it's very disciplined. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. and my unsuspected surprise out of it was the inflammation and the pain in the joints went away. The blood pressure went down. The blood uh, sugar went down. The weight went down. It's It was liberating. Mm -hmm. I can't say that I have stuck to it 100%, <laughs> but it has affected my eating habits. And I'm not here an advocate saying that we should stop eating meat. Uh, I think that the way that, that beef and pork are raised in these feedlots is unacceptable. I think that if they're grown in a uh, compassionate way on, and grazed that it could be very good quality. And it's certainly a, a much friendlier way for the environment. Mm -hmm. But the mm -hmm. feedlot thing is just, in my opinion, it's unacceptable. Absolutely. So I don't know if that answers the question, but uh, yeah, it's going good. I've learned a lot. I think it has the future. I'm excited about it. I've never been more excited about the culinary and the agricultural world than I am today. And partly the, this pandemic has, we were so busy doing what we do that we, like Jamie alluded to in part one, we didn't have the time to work on some of these other things. And it just opened up this whole world that we're like, wow, mm -hmm. there's so much more potential yet to be explored. Well, for people who want to take that deep dive into plants and vegetables and, and using all of the plant, this, this book is really the, the thing to get. And it's available all over the place at this point. You can certainly get it on Amazon, but we like to say, please go to your local independent bookseller to pick it up. It's a beautiful book. You're going to want to get it. So Jamie, what is it like to sit down or what was it like to sit down and know that you had to come up with or develop a hundred recipes? I'm sure you had many of them already, you know, established things that you had done, but how did you narrow down the recipes in the book? What were the considerations that you were thinking about? Well, we didn't have as many nailed down as I wished for <laughs> going into this. Um, we, we tend to reinvent the wheel. Um, you know, some of the considerations were, you know, the, the most important thing is who is our audience? You know, this was before home delivery. We, we were almost 100% uh, restaurants. And writing this book, we were actually targeted with and, and suggested to speak to a different audience, speak to people, speak to home cooks who are ambitious, speak to farmer's market people, speak to gardeners. Um, and this was at this time when we started this project, uh, it was a whole new world for us. So that was a big consideration. Um, it explains basically everything and how we actually write, you know, how we communicate. I can't just say sear it and finish it in the oven mm -hmm. <laughs> you know the it, it's a different communication level so that was important um 
you know, we wanted to use almost every important technique to us in the world of vegetables. We wanted to apply really interesting parts of plants. You know, it was, so it's all in the title. It says like, a modern guide to common and unusual vegetables. Mm-hmm. We, we really look at unusual parts of usual plants. And you'll see thematically uh, also that we're looking at unusual plants in general. Once we started to connect all of those dots together, I think it really helped um, paint a, a, a more beautiful picture. Well, it's organized very thoughtfully, right? So let me give a to the people that are listening that don't have the book in front of them. I'm just going to open a, a, a page. Okay, so I open to wasabi. Wasabi is something I know of as that little green paste that comes on my sushi platter. It's a root. Uh, it looks like it's a it, part of the brassica family. Yes. Yeah. Turnips, parsnips, um, turnips, cabbages, Brussels sprouts, you know, cauliflower, mm-hmm. kohlrabi. So I feel like what you do is if, if I wasn't familiar with wasabi, I'd see the picture sort of in its natural form. And then you explain a little bit about the origin, where it's grown, you know, the characteristics of it, um, how to store it, how to clean it, which I think is really important from a usability standpoint, those of us that want to venture into some of these new things, the lettuces, the, the root vegetables, you have to know how to, how to store them. Do you wash them before you put them away? Do you use foil or plastic or a paper bag? So there's a lot here. I think that's what makes this book so great. It's, it's extremely user-friendly. The volume is considerable. There are going to be things in here that an average person cannot get their hands on most likely but there are many things that they can. So for me, the unusual vegetables, that was like a playground of imagination. And I know that when I come to a dinner at uh, the Culinary Vegetable Institute, when you start having those in the future, I will experiment with some of those. I'll see that. But again, for the people that are buying this and saying, I want to eat more vegetables and I want to explore, are there a couple of pages? Are there a couple of things that you gravitate towards um, in your mind? I know it's a lot to re- <laughs> to remember. Yeah. Well, Tell yes. me a little bit about it. Well, let me just pause you, I guess, real quick and close your eyes. And we're going to walk through the produce section of your local grocery store 20 years ago. How many varieties of lettuce were available to you back then, right? Our, our goal in this project is to create a really a timeless piece and something that that outlives all of us. But if you picture that moment, imagine what if, what would that produce book look like back then if all we sort of looked at were the ingredients that were available to us? It's iceberg lettuce, maybe some cucumbers, a, one color of bell peppers. The world is changing in produce. You know, the vegetable space in general is this unbelievable kaleidoscope of, of colors and flavors and textures and varieties. It's going to change. So some things that might look obscure today are definitely going to be more relevant tomorrow. Some of them that are more prominent today are going to be gone and obsolete tomorrow. To answer your question, and I think Lee and I would have a great dialogue back and forth on, is salsify. Mm-hmm. Salsify is one vegetable that that really does so well historically, you know, and you can read a lot of information about it back in the day and now it's gone you don't see it in grocery stores. Yeah, I hope it's something we see tomorrow. 
Well, and I'm actually glad you pronounced it because I've seen it in print quite a bit, but I, I didn't know if it was salsify. I, I wouldn't. Yeah. And here's the thing. My naivete, my not knowing would prevent me from asking for it or for from exploring it. You know, I'm not going to just walk into my grocery store and ask. I'm guessing that they're, you know, not going to know. And I'm not going to do it if I don't really know how to even say the, the word. So, you know, some of that can be intimidating. No, salsify is also correct. It's just oh. a global, it's a cultural thing. It's just where you're, where you are and how you, how you pronounce it. You know, in the end of the day, yeah. it's a, it's a, another root vegetable at one point was more, was more common than potatoes. Mm-hmm. Is there a chapter or a, a let's say, a, is there a section in the book that you found particularly interesting? Uh, because I know you start with alliums, which is, you know, the, uh, you know, the, we think about alliums as being the onion family. Right. I mean, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and, and then you end, I think with, um, flowers, um, and, but you've got seeds and pods in there. You've got roots. Is there a chapter that as you were doing your exploring that you found, fa- you were kind of like your mind was blown by what the possibilities were like in your own discovery? You know, we organized the book kind of by the part of the plant used a lot of vegetable books are organized botanically, um, I think that whole like pods section or the buds section, those two, you know, that can range from like from okra to peas or from like, um, you know, cauliflower to they're all really dynamic, mm-hmm. you know, and it really just depends on the on the on the season that we're living in at this moment. I really loved and do love all of the sections. I know it is a hard question. And I realized that uh, as soon as I asked it. I, I, <laughs> I keep coming back to this for people who are listening. The book is so comprehensive. It's, I'm almost asking Jamie to basically tell me the, his most favorite thing out of an encyclopedia. And that is just a very unfair thing to do. Let's have a little fun for just a moment. We'll end on a, on a, a more of a whimsical note. I'll ask both of you, you guys have made a lot of things. You've created a lot of things. You've experimented. What are some of the, of the crazier things that you have tried and I'd love to know if there was something that you have experimented with in a culinary sense in your kitchen in preparation for this book that just didn't work. Yeah, uh, on the the initial spreadsheet, we we wrote down the two or three hundred concepts, um, and as we narrowed it down and like reorganized it and looked at it a different way, I had I had four or five different vegetable caramels and like seven or eight vegetable ice creams in the book. And at, at one point, Kristen Donnelly was like, Jamie, this isn't going to be the ice cream vegetable book. <laughs> you know, she's like, you just can't. The, the point is, you know, the technique can be applied to all of the vegetables. So as long as we make that clear in the head note or in the recipe, you know, don't stop with onions, you know, don't stop with pot roast. Parsnip ice cream, who'd have thunk it? Yeah. I mean, I still, I mean, I just mentioned that yesterday. Mm -hmm. You know, if we could, we could do a whole vegetable cookbook on, on ice creams and caramels, but the technique's going to be exactly the same throughout the entire season. And I think that's, that's really interesting, mm-hmm. you know, so we, we tucked down onto some processes that, um, that were really versatile overall, the vegetable stock, mm-hmm. you know, I was like in the beginning of this project, I said, I'm going to make a vegetable stock, but we want to make the best vegetable stock ever because the world, the last thing the world needs is another vegetable stock recipe. Um, 
So we started looking at it in general, what is stock? Stock is this, you know, prehistoric approach to extracting flavor, you know, in, into a liquid. Why are we extracting water from a plant into water, which is basically just dilution that makes no sense? Plants are 98% water. We're going to juice them. We're going to juice the vegetables. We're going to cook the juice and that juice will clarify into a beautiful vegetable stock without adding any water. I think that was one that, that worked mm. leading up to it was a series of failures that ultimately led us to the, the mm. results that we, that we did. Well, I think if Jamie Simpson can fail in his kitchen, we can all be a little bit more brave with what we do in our own kitchens because failure isn't failure, right? It's leading you to the next thing. It's leading you to the thing that works. I really believe that in in life and in 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 work i thought it was fun that um you have a blooming onion in there and for most of us right a blooming onion is that big gloppy fried mess of onion and delicious it is (laughs) delicious and bad for us (laughs) unless it's very limited um so i thought that was really clever i also uh i think i heard this in your interview with with Kristen Donnelly, the person who co-authored the book with you, you were talking about carrot seeds as as a seasoning or a spice. Uh, and it, it never dawned on me that that is something that you could use those for. I just, I just didn't think of it that way. And I guess in summary, this book makes you think about things in a different way. Do you feel like that is the case? The carrot seed example is, is just another example of how we look back in time you know, and embrace the future. And, and somewhere along the line, we forgot about it. And the carrot, the carrot seeds, another great example of that. It's a spice for 5,000 years. We knew, you know, and we didn't know the, the root, you know, until 200, 300 years ago when it was, you know, bred that way, but it's just another example. It's all just relative to time. This has been such an enlightening conversation. I'm going to just say again, if you're listening, get the book, enjoy it, treat yourself buy it for someone in your life that loves to read and learn and explore and experiment, someone that just loves plants, that loves produce, all of it, and get to know the team and the destination that is the chef's garden. Farmer Jones, would you tell me a little bit about how people can discover you? We talked about the farm stand, which is open now, I think most days, correct? It's open Saturday only. Okay. And we did that for a couple of reasons. We're still trying to get spring planting done. Okay. And it is a farm and staffing's been short. Mm -hmm. So Saturdays allows us an opportunity to be able to open up to the community. The pandemic was the reason that we opened it. It made us recognize that it was a miss and not being open to the community before. And we're just so excited to be able to offer the same products that we've offered to chefs, Michelin star chefs all over the United States and globally, mm-hmm. and have it in Erie County. And the support has been overwhelming. It's on Saturday only. We get into June. We'll probably go to a couple days a week, get into corn season, probably four or five days a week. But farmerjonesfarmmarket.com, mm-hmm. and it's right at the corner of here in Avery and Shide Road. And if we don't have something else going, I'm there every Saturday. My wife, Jamie, Tristan, and we love to talk food with anybody that wants to come and is really serious about healthy, nutritious, sexy 
flavorful vegetables. Fantastic. Yeah, it is a great destination place. If you're headed up to the Sandusky area, if you're going to take in the islands for a couple of days, it's a very easy stop to make. And if people want to explore your special produce boxes and your home delivery service, where can they find that? FarmerJonesFarm.com and go online and Jamie curates a lot of these boxes or a walk through the garden with the season's best box is always a great way to go. It's what looks good today is what goes in that box and it flows with the season. Mm -hmm. And it, it may never look the same way twice or maybe it will. It just depends on the season. And I can tell you as someone who has received those boxes, there is some good eaten in those boxes. The spinach, the greens, everything in there tastes- Asparagus right now. Uh, you know. I mean, it's just so different than what you're really able to buy anywhere else. Well, thank you both again for taking this deep dive with me and holding my hand as we talk through the book. It's a beautiful creation. I'm going to commit to, and I'll let you know how it goes. I'm going to commit to making some things out of that. I might even make that carrot pot roast. And I'll look forward to having you both on the CLE Foodcast sometime in the future. There's so much to talk about and you'll be seeing me at your farm stand on a couple of Saturdays for sure. Congratulations. It is a work of, of just pure love and it everything about that book says that it is. So thanks very much for being here today. Thanks for having us on. Thank you so much. It's good to hear from you. CLE Foodcast is a project of Fork and the Road Productions, and it sounds awesome thanks to editing and sound engineering by Bill Connors. CLE Foodcast is supported by KDK12 Studios. Let Matt and Ron help you with custom art, design, and print work. They make teas, mugs, painted portraits, printed cards, and a whole lot more. In fact, Matt designed the CLE Foodcast logo. So if you like it, get started at kdk12studios.com. And thank you for being here and following along. I love the ideas I'm getting for future episodes. Keep them coming. We're not stopping anytime soon. Just DM me on our CLE Foodcast Facebook or Instagram. Have a great week. And remember, stay hungry, be kind, and always, always set a bigger table. <laughs>